0: This is a faithful saying, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. I'm Jason Garcia, and this is Faithful Sayings. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you again today, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Jason Garcia, and we're going to be thinking about um, why didn't God tell us plainly? That's kind of the question we're we're thinking about answering this morning, and specifically with regard to parables and uh, non-literal teaching in the in the New Testament or in the Bible in general, but specifically focusing on parables. So that's what we're thinking about this morning. Again, I've been looking forward to studying with you. And if you have any questions, I want you to feel free to email us at Leon Church at gmail.com. And also, we can visit our website, if you desire, at leonvalleychurch.org. We have a number of different resources there available. If you'd like to hear previous broadcasts of this program or perhaps uh, sermons or articles, uh, you can find those things on our website. Again, that's leonvalleychurch.org, or just Google the Leon Valley Church of Christ, and you'll find it pretty quickly. Uh, so throughout the inspired books of the New Testament, um, it repeatedly, the Bible repeatedly fir- refers to itself as uh, the New Law. So, for example, James chapter two, James chapter two. If you drop down to uh, verse twelve of James two, James says that uh, so speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy. To one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment, and so J- there, James, in discussing the law and the different elements of the law, and, and specifically commands here, uh, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Uh, he's he makes this point in verse twelve that we should conduct ourselves in a way that that's you know those are the laws that we're going to be um, judged by. That, but at the same time, he refers to it, and this is what I want us to focus on as as the law of Liberty uh, to get us started here in thinking about um, God's revelation and how how the Bible will characterize itself, and primarily it is it is a law. Uh, Hebrews chapter seven, again in verse twelve, another example of that. Hebrews chapter seven and verse twelve. So this is a discussion about the priesthood of Christ um, superseding the uh, priesthood of Aaron and the new covenant. So there was the Mosaic or or Aaronic priesthood of the Old Testament and that old system uh, that God had there. And when Jesus came, He brought in this new system. And the writer says here in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12, when there is a change in the priesthood, as there was from Jesus came into the world and became our high priest um, for us, it says when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. So uh, again, the Bible referring to itself as as a law and the commands of God as as the law of God and here the point that the writer is making is that uh, Jesus changed the law or he brought in this new law, the law of liberty that James is talking about there in James chapter 2 and verse 12. Certainly a lot of principles carry over from the Old Testament into the new uh, into the new law from the old law uh, but there are some differences and some of those um, many of those things have been done away with that tabernacle system as, as a whole, uh, you know we don't we don't sacrifice animals anymore. We don't observe uh, the Passover. We don't observe a number of uh, holy days and do things that uh, the Hebrews did uh, because God has nailed those to the cross. Colossians chapter two, verses eleven and following. Uh, another example is in Galatians chapter six and verse two. Galatians chapter six and verse two. Uh, says this that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So there it is. It's very plain that we have this new law. Christ is the lawgiver. His law is the law of liberty. Uh, but the New Testament is not a a law book. You know, as we tend to think of law books, you know, we have these big, giant, uh, uh, you know, massive books that are just just code after code after code. And ordinances of things of not to do, and references and cross references to other sections. Um, the New Testament doesn't doesn't operate that way. It's not in in the sense that it's just not a compiled list of rules and regulations, right? It's it's letters and its correspondence and its history and its prophecy and it's all these different things that were written to a specific audience within the first century, right? No, nothing in the New Testament is written specifically, for example. Uh, to me, right? Paul, when Paul wrote um, to the church at Thessalonica and, and wrote Thessalonians, uh, he wasn't addressing that to me. He was addressing it to that church. But nevertheless, there's something in those letters for me to learn, right? So why did God reveal Himself to us in that way? Why didn't He create just a list of rules and and just say plainly, "Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I don't want you to do. And here's what you can. Here's what how you can be saved and find salvation in, in Christ." Uh, but we have these letters and we have the story of of the gospel of Christ that we can see for our, ourselves. And why was Jesus also uh, so cryptic at, at times? Why was he difficult to understand? How many times do we read that in the gospels that uh, he, even his own disciples and closest disciples didn't understand uh, what he was saying? And a lot of times they would ask, Master, what, is this, what does this teaching mean or what does this parable mean? And so they had many questions, many questions like that. And some things um, are just plain hard to understand. Uh, But nevertheless, the word which Jesus spoke is the standard of judgment for us in the last days. You know, we look in John chapter twelve, and we remember his his words there at the end of that end of that chapter, in verse forty eight. He says, "This the one who rejects me, and does not receive my words has a judge." And that is the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Uh, So if, you know, some things are difficult to understand already, uh, why would Jesus be cryptic and use parables and different sayings in his teachings? Uh, if, if If our understanding of those things is critical to surviving judgment, right? It's the word, the words that he spoke are going to be the standard of judgment. Uh, that are held up against us in in the last day. So uh, why why make those words difficult to to understand? I think there's a reason for that and the Bible explains it. And we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 13 really. Matthew chapter 13 now as we're as we're beginning to answer the question that we set out to answer at the, the beginning of of our study, why um, why didn't God just tell us these things plainly? Why do we have like the parable of the sower that we're about to read? Uh, so Jesus gives this explanation here about the purpose of parables and why it was that he would teach uh, in this in in, in this way. Uh, so just to be clear and so that we're on the same page, a parable, which makes up about one third uh, of all of Jesus's is teaching is usually a story that he told, right? We know the parable of the prodigal son that we're familiar with uh, where the younger son leaves home and he squanders his inheritance and he comes back um, and is penitent and wants to become a servant of his father and is no longer to be worthy to be called a son, but his father embraces him, right, And, and throws a big celebration and feast. And, you know, that parable is told to demonstrate uh, and illustrate a number of things like the grace and the mercy of our, our Heavenly Father who, who wants His children who are lost to, to come back to, to Him and He will embrace them. Uh, but also the attitude of those who are already in fellowship with Him that, uh, like the older brother, um, had an attitude of resentment and he was not happy that his brother had returned uh, that parable was told to i think emphasize that point in particular to to the audience but we're we're familiar with these stories right so jesus tells these stories in order to illustrate a spiritual truth right so it's he draws comparisons from from nature or human circumstances and families or weddings in order to teach a spiritual lesson so he just takes what we know and what we experience in the real world on a physical level to reveal some truth about God and about his kingdom and about judgment and what those things are going to look like and how we're to conduct ourselves. Um, so the word parable uh, literally means to cast alongside of. So it's it's a teaching aid. it's It's a story that's cast alongside of the truth being being taught in order to illustrate that that truth. And some sometimes it's referred to as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I think that's a a good concise way to think about what a parable is. Uh, So Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 13, in verse 10, the disciples came to Him and said, Uh, "'Why do you speak to them in parables?' And He answered them, "'To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away.'" This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Uh, so we have these parables, and the the purpose that Jesus is saying that they're, that they're told um, is is to teach people again, as we've we've already we've already mentioned. And he explains why it is that these folks can't understand the parables, and we're going to talk more about that uh, down the road. But again, in, in this case, especially Matthew chapter thirteen, that we're going to be looking at one specific example of the parable of the sower, um, that these, these teachings, these stories, were primarily about the kingdom and the nature of the kingdom and the character of the king himself and how uh, we as his subjects were, are to conduct ourselves in that kingdom. So uh, this was Jesus' explanation here that we just read after speaking one parable, the parable of the sower. Um, and it's, he says, "...it's granted to his disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom." Um, and Jesus came to give life his life for for his kingdom and to preach the gospel of the kingdom and repentance um, that the kingdom was uh, imminent and it was at hand and he was going to bring it into uh, the world uh, so when we think about interpreting interpreting the parables we need to avoid two extremes and one of those extremes is that says you know there's only one lesson to be learned here within a parable uh, and every uh, every detail within the narrative uh the other extreme is, is that every detail within the narrative must have some meaning um and there's there may be one central message uh but there may be other truths within the parable itself like the prodigal son that um i noted noted earlier and you know there's a number of things that we learn from that parable about god's love and his willingness to forgive and what our again what our attitude should be toward those who return to him and that's really what that parable, that's probably the central message of that parable given the audience at the time the jews who were not happy about uh tax collectors and other sinners re- repenting and so jesus told them that story and and how the father rebuked the attitude of the the older son uh towards the younger son who had returned and and was repenting so why did jesus teach this way it, it, it was not to First of all, it was not to obscure the truth or to make his teaching and his law difficult to understand. That was not the purpose of these parable. Again, he says in verse 9, uh, if you back up in Matthew chapter 13, if you're still there with me, he says this, He who has ears to hear, <laughs> excuse me, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so the teaching the teaching then it was for anyone who was willing to listen anyone who was willing to listen and jesus says it had been granted to the disciples this is the passage that we read a minute ago it had been granted to the disciples to understand these mysteries not because god had miraculously just zapped them with understanding because there were there were many times when they didn't understand and again they were they would ask for the explanation of of a parable, as they do with this very parable here in the parable of the sower. They'll say, what, is, what does this mean? Uh, but the reason they were granted understanding was because they were willing to listen and to seek. They had the ears to hear, even though it didn't make sense to them at first. They inquired. They wanted to know. They didn't just throw their hands up and give up. They wanted to look deeper into this, and they wanted to to have their minds open to what Jesus was saying. So um, the, the purpose then of these parables that we see was to divide the humble heart from the hard heart and that's the explanation that we see in isaiah um, that the prophecy that jesus quotes here in verses 14 and 15. that there are people whose heart has grown dull verse 15 and so they close their ears and they close their eyes and they and the truth um, that's presented in these parables they can't perceive it they it, it won't penetrate because they don't want it to they've completely closed themselves off to um, to understanding. Because at the end of verse 15, if you'll remember, uh, it'll says that, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with the ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So that's what Jesus wants. He wants them to turn, 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 and turn, and he wants to heal them, but they don't, because they've shut themselves out to the to the truth. And so they've in, in in essence, sifted themselves out because of their attitude toward Jesus' teaching, toward these parables, and towards um, all of what he was all of what he was saying. Whereas the disciples, they had the ears to hear, and anyone can who has the right attitude. So whoever again has ears to hear, to receive the word of God, to bear fruit, Jesus says, more will be given to him. So, in in what sense did he he mean that? And if you look over in Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four and verse verses twenty three and twenty four, he's connecting. He's making the same connection. He uses that expression again. Uh, Whoever has more will be given to him, and he who does not have, uh, even what he has, will be taken away. So he's and he's he's applying that to a specific, um, a specific thing, and that is listening, and in particular listening to what he has to say. So uh, look at uh, Mark chapter 4, and again in verse 23, here it is. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then verse 24, he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so Jesus is saying, if... If if you have the the kind of heart who wants to know the truth and is willing to listen to the word of God, it's going to be granted to you. You're gonna you're going to find it, and that's the promise you know that we're familiar with in Matthew chapter five, and uh, and or maybe it's chapter six, where Jesus says, if if you seek, you will find; if you knock, the door will be open; if you ask, you will receive. And that's specifically with regard to the truth. He wasn't trying to hide the truth in telling these parables and in doing this. But it was to communicate the truth. These parables will, were told to communicate the truth in the most effective way for his purposes. And, and so people would learn and learn even more and be granted wisdom from God. And But it was only the people who wanted who wanted the wisdom that God was offering, who wanted the truth of God. And that's a principle that we see time and time again. You know, how many examples do we see in in the Bible of people uh, who close themselves out to the truth and to learning? And the power of the Scriptures, the power of the Word of God, only works in those with good and honest hearts. And that's what the parables, that's who the parables were designed to reach. Um, Look at what he says in, in verse 15. In their case, they hear, but they do not understand They see, but they do not perceive. And again, he gives the explanation. The root of the problem was where? Verse 15 of Matthew 13. The problem, the root of the problem was their heart. Their heart had become dull. They had closed their eyes and they scarcely hear because they lacked a heart that was willing to seek, to understand. And so they couldn't be healed. They couldn't hear the truth. They couldn't hear the good news so long as they maintain that disposition and that that heart and the fact is many if not the majority of christ's audience thought they already knew everything when in fact they had a very distorted view about the true nature of of the kingdom they were looking for this physical uh, manifestation this 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 kingdom that would overthrow the roman government and and the tyranny that you know that the the roman government brought um and they were so convinced in their own minds that that's who the messiah was going to be uh and that's what he was going to be teaching us about in order to give us hope they thought they knew the truth and they had the truth but they didn't because they were so convinced in their own minds that again that they that they had the truth they were unwilling to hear Jesus. They just closed their ears completely to Him. They thought that they saw and heard, but spiritually they were blind and deaf. And Jesus will say that uh, of this, these these very same people elsewhere, that they are the blind leading the blind in Matthew chapter 15 and verses 13 and 14. So if people are going to appreciate and understand the parables they had to to listen carefully but even more they needed hearts that wanted to hear they needed hearts that wanted to hear so if they had such hearts the parables would reveal that and so let's look at Matthew chapter um 13 again if you went over to Mark chapter 4 let's turn back to to Matthew chapter 13 and the parable of the sower is, is is really pretty short and so here we have in Matthew chapter 13 1 One account of it. I think it's told in three different places. So Jesus says here um, uh, in verse 3, beginning, "...a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some uh, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And other seeds fell on the rocky ground, and they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And other seeds fell among thorns." And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so that's how Jesus ends that that parable. And, and this is, in Matthew chapter 13, this is one of the instances in which Jesus himself will explain the meaning of the parable. He didn't do that in every case. But, you know, we have this whole discussion about, you know the disciples coming and asking, "Why are you speaking to them in parables? Uh, why, why have you chosen to reveal truth in this way?" And of course, we've we've established that it was a sifting kind of, of of method. It wasn't to obscure the truth, but it was to expose the hearts of people, and that that is made even clearer in Jesus's explanation. Now, so if you drop down to verse eighteen, uh, look at him explain and hear him explain the parable of the sower. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, um, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So, the one who hears the word, Jesus says, and understands it is the one who, who bears fruit ultimately for God? So we have all these people, all these listeners, in the different soils who hear the word of God and ultimately reject it. Right? Whether it's the wayside soil or the rocky soil or the thorny soil, uh, all of them end in the same result. They reject the truth for one reason, for one reason or another. They didn't have hearts that ultimately wanted to hear the truth and be committed to it. Uh, so the parable, the parables, ex- expose that and. This was not a new principle that Jesus was was introducing. Uh, It it had always been true. And it's really, if you go back to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it's explained there as well. Beginning in verse 1 of Proverbs 2 My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, uh, make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So, what is what is understanding the fear of the Lord and finding the knowledge of God? What is that contingent upon? Well, if you look at those first four verses, uh, the Father is saying to the Son, you have to treasure these things. You have to make your ear attentive. You have to incline your heart. In other words, you have to desire this this truth. You have to want it. You have to call out for it. Seek it like a, as if it were a precious precious treasure. And so, likewise, that the, the New Testament as a whole, um, it shouldn't surprise us, works in the same way. The Word of God works in the same way. And Jesus' parables, like all of His teaching, revealed this truth. Or, or I should say, demonstrated this truth in Proverbs chapter two, verses one through five, and we read about it uh, elsewhere also. You know, a list of rules and regulations plainly spoken. We're not going to accomplish what God's word accomplishes. There are some things that God does plainly, plainly tell us, like don't lie to one another, Colossians three and verse nine. Uh, you know, always tell the truth and be united, be humble and things like this. Uh, and there are some things that he saw best to reveal through uh, implication so that we would infer them when and if uh, our hearts are right. And so it, uh, this wasn't an innovative way of teaching what Jesus was doing and the way that he was revealing this his, his truth. It was nothing new Um and, and Nathan really used the same tact with David. If you remember back in um, 1 Samuel 12, uh, excuse me, 2 Samuel 12, 2 Samuel 12, so this is after David has committed adultery, and he's he's even gone so far as to um, murder the woman's husband, uh, Bathsheba, that... that whom he committed adultery with, he has her husband murdered, Uriah, he, he kills him. And he's been living in sin for a while now. And Nathan comes to him, the prophet comes to him to convict him of sin. And he doesn't. Nathan doesn't come out and say, David, you're an adulterer and a murderer and you should be ashamed of yourself and you need to repent or God is going to reject you. Um, but but instead he does this. he he comes in in second Samuel twelve, if you pick up in verse one, it says, uh, the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in the city, the one rich and the other poor, and the rich men had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought, and he brought it up, and it grew up with him with his children, and he used to eat um, used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. you are the man thus says the lord the god of israel i anointed you king over israel delivered you out of the hand of saul and then nathan proceeds to pronounce judgment upon uh david so nathan doesn't again come out and just plainly say david you're an adulterer but he gives this he he tells this parable this story of a rich person who oppresses the poor and takes takes the only thing that he had even though the rich man, of course, had an abundance to pull from in order to provide for this traveler coming coming through, and that was convicting to David that it revealed his his heart, and and you we see his his penitent attitude, of course, in this chapter, but also in Psalm fifty one, the psalm that he wrote after Nathan had exposed his sin to him in in, in this way, he told him the story. And and David saw clearly through this story that he was really the villain. He was the evil man. And so this story or parable evoked a response from David. He was angry, and he failed to make the connection at first. But then he came to realize that, again, he was the one in the wrong. And this parable, this way of teaching, prompted his repentance. And so we need to have faith that the word of God will will not return to us void. Uh, that he he is chosen to reveal truth in in this way because again it, it it will accomplish what he intends. Just as when he sent Nathan to David, telling David that parable that story accomplished what God intended to accomplish in David, and that was repentance. Of course, David was willing to receive Nathan and hear what Nathan had to say, and and. A, and and it came out ultimately for David's benefit there were certainly consequences still and and his family never really um recovered even though they were still royal and and would maintain the throne of course Jesus is a descendant of David but uh but his family suffered much as a result of of his sin and again the the reason God tells us or reveals truth to us in this way and didn't just give us a list of rules or regulations. Sometimes again he te- he does and he tells us things plainly, uh, but when when he doesn't, there's a, there's a reason for that, and there is there is a purpose, and we need to have faith in that purpose and that and and the way that he is going about it, the way that he has chosen to reveal truth, and specifically in regard to the parables of of Jesus. Well, I appreciate you tuning in this morning. We're going to leave it right there and and really the main get of today's study has been that you know the God never wants to obscure the truth from anybody. So we need to reject any notion or any suggestion that that, that that's what he wants to do. 1st Timothy 2 and verse 4 and 5 God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And we may not understand why he reveals the truth in the way that he does sometimes, but he does and it's for a reason. And if we look hard enough, I think we can, we can see what that reason is. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Please feel free to contact us, leonvalleychurch at gmail.com. Visit our website, leonvalleychurch.org. And once again, I'm Jason Garcia, and this has been Faithful Sayings.